Um, wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Okay. So we'll start with my <clears throat> verbal cue of a delicious dish. Yeah, because I'm flubbing it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> All right. I want to redo this one, isn't it? Thank you. I've wanted to be Thank on a Scraps podcast for quite some time yeah. now. So this oh, God. my dream come true. Ooh, better. <laughs> I hope you. no one gets canceled as a result of this. <laughs> <laughs> I would be violating my promise. You, you, you're both. You're both very insightful, and and your comments, both of you, and I have learned so much from your questions. Thank you, Jojo. Thank you, Arun. That was good. Okay, so. And now on to the podcast. Cool. All right. This is a Scrap Studio production, and you are listening to Scraps by Electronic Medicines. Brought to you with our sponsors, Cortec Neuro and Certec Medical. We at Scraps always specialize in having some empathetic and tough conversations about science and innovation. When we started the topic for the season on bioelectronic medicines. an area very close to our heart and our paychecks we wanted to be different we wanted to ensure that we do not shy away from the conversations that most people are thinking about but are too afraid to ask be it a trainee to an established investigator or a fellow academic colleague at a conference fearing retribution during grant reviews or an entrepreneur not wanting to piss off an investor the list is endless but we care less about that because we do not have anyone to please jojo and i wanted to bring out these unsaid underreported nuggets to you via this medium a lot of it because we have the credibility and the track record to do it so this episode is part of our two episode topic about cutting through the crap in bioelectronic medicines where we ask extremely frank questions and today for this episode We invited this gentleman. Uh, good day. So my name is uh, Robert Spölken. So I'm the head of uh, bioelectronics for Merck KGA uh, Darmstadt, Germany. We invited him, and he graciously agreed to have a frank conversation about how a big company gets into this game of bioelectronic medicines. With a bit of experience in this myself, through my time at GSK and Galvani Bioelectronics for a decade now, from which I stepped away last year. I'm always curious about what drives the big companies and how their strategies evolve over time. So let's get into it. Fantastic. So Robert, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us um here at Scraps. And uh with you being the head of bioelectronics at Merck and with Merck being one of the um Come big companies that are venturing into the space. Yeah, so initially, um, I I started in the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, so I'm a chemist uh, by training. I did my um, PhD in uh, molecular medicine, and then continued uh, mainly with uh, Merck Pharmaceutical. Yeah, and uh, working on um, biologic made me, and uh, also did a market introduction for uh, uh, botulinum toxin in the U.S. market. Uh, my first commercial experience. and from that one and uh, we changed into medical devices at my former company and that was really a big change here yeah, from pharmaceuticals to medical devices and that already uh, tells you something about bioelectronics yeah because here is the same yeah so i basically work uh, with my current company on this step from pharmaceutical into medical device yeah later on i took a lot of different roles uh, in the company mainly commercial roles um 
uh, at the end, I was also the head of uh, medical device uh, uh, R&D at my former company and then took over uh, a biotech company in the Geneva area uh, where I was uh, responsible for a full-fledged uh, biotech company <clears throat> with uh, also commercial structures and an R&D and manufacturing organization. And that is also, I think, the best preparation uh, for now this endeavor uh, within uh, Merck KGA uh, Darmstadt, Germany, <clears throat> to bring bioelectronics to success and introduce this um, startup-like uh, driven uh, organization uh, into into a successful story. And I uh, started this uh, endeavor on bioelectronics uh, about uh, three years ago, 2019. And uh, I built up uh, this uh, unit from scratch. The idea behind uh, bioelectronics in our company is uh, really <clears throat> to look for innovation uh, beyond uh, the current sector strategy. And of course, also taking advantage of the different uh, uh, sectors in our company. So you know that we are not only a pharmaceutical company, but we are also in, in parts uh, working on electronics. We have a life science business. And bioelectronics is really a field that is positioned between the electronic sector and the healthcare sector. So specifically, was there was there any um, any independent motivation, any specific opportunity that you saw and said, we could do genomics, we could do um, personalized medicine. We can do all these other things as Merck, this great big company. But there was there a moment that said this this one thing is why we need to get into bioelectronic medicine. Well, we started uh, really with a lot of different uh, innovation uh, fields and areas. So uh, also neuromorphic systems was analyzed, for example, or liquid biopsy technologies. Uh, in fact, the um, um, the overlap in terms of capabilities we are quite high for bioelectronics. I think people underestimating uh, really the, the uh, value chain of a pharmaceutical company or uh, of companies, uh, big companies in general, when it comes to innovation, we always think about this initial patents really, yeah, so the super exciting technologies, but you also need a big machinery to bring these innovations through the entire value chain to the market. And especially in the healthcare sector, this is a very long journey, as you know. Yeah? So we are talking about many years through preclinical and clinical and regulatory and also commercial strategies before you really reach the market. And that is something that Merck uh, Healthcare is particularly uh, strong at. So our company here uh, has, of course, uh, most of the uh, structures in order to push such a medical device through all the different stages. And that was a huge advantage, particularly related to the bioelectronics field. A second aspect is, of course, uh, with um, a lot of uh, technology breakthroughs by electronics and journalists in, in a very good position. Uh, I really want to mention the digital part of bioelectronics. Yeah? So everybody talks about digital. And that was also one of the major aspects for me to pick uh, bioelectronics for our company here, since it has such a tremendous and strong role and connectivity to to uh, digital aspects. So now that you're you're three years in, and and after the grand history of Merck you, as a stable in the pharmaceutical world, what are the key differences that you've noticed in terms of developing a bioelectronic medicine therapy or platform or technology versus some of the drug development challenges that you you face on a normal? 
basis? Well, obviously, from the pure uh, technology side, uh, so the, the our own company was not uh, capable on providing all different uh, parts of it. Yeah, so the the devices itself, the engineering, uh, the um, parts of the data science, uh, we uh, partnered in. Yeah? So we have uh, uh, signed two joint development agreements with two different companies back in 2021, and uh, so with this we. Uh, incorporated these uh, capabilities, which were missing in our own company. Um, in terms of um, a long-term success in this area, what is uh, what's most critical and still missing at uh, Merck KGA uh, Darmstadt Germany is uh, truly the commercial, uh, the field force, the commercial uh, structures in order uh, to um, sell these kind of devices. But since we are talking about very long uh, development times, uh, we can of course still prepare for that. And I've been uh, still, um, I've been uh, part of an organization that uh, acquired field forces and then built up uh, commercial structures. So, so we are, we have still time to decide on all So, that. Robert, you actually said earlier in your in your introduction that Merck also has a big kind of electronics. Uh, kind of component and the biology, of course, is well known as as Jojo was also alluding to in, in the pharmaceutical space. Can you tell us a bit more about kind of what aspects of of the non-biological uh, aspects of Merck that people don't really appreciate uh, that also paid a way for laying the groundwork for Merck Bioelectronics? Uh, I just want people to appreciate that that aspect of it because... It's mostly unsaid and underappreciated. Yeah, I feel like that's a very yeah. leading question around. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> You're driving towards a specific answer. You already yeah. know. I want everybody yeah, no. else to know, Jojo. Yeah. <laughs> so especially initially, yeah. So um, when it comes to uh, material biocompatibility of materials, um, the entire um, electronic space as as a whole. Of course, there's a lot of um, and know-how and a lot of um, um, competence within uh, our company, but of course now when we're now we, uh, whereas we are in uh, execution, um, we, we don't uh, use lots of our um, capabilities uh, from the electronics sector anymore. Uh, so in, in the initial um, positioning and of course in the initial discussion that was really key, but nowadays why we are in, in the implementation mode that is not so relevant anymore. Are there any um, specifics about some of the projects that you're working on that you can share with us, or is that still in stealth mode? Well, I mean, the, there's uh, basically uh, three main projects. So the uh, first and most prominent, uh, for sure, is the uh, collaboration with Neuroloop uh, B. Brown. So that's uh, based on a joint development agreement, um, again, uh, signed back uh, a year ago. Uh, so we here we license very exclusively uh, uh, indications from uh, our partner. So we are licensing in this uh, technology in order now to <clears throat> bring for certain indications uh, this uh, product to the market. And um, we are also developing uh, together with them course, new digital solutions. Uh, we are and that's uh, the one of the uh, the second project really is uh, about remote patient monitoring. That's an important aspect in general for our company and in, for the healthcare sector to learn more about uh, digital healthcare technology to understand really what are all these wearables and this uh, sensor-related technology means really for the 
uh, pharmaceutical world and the healthcare sector. Um, so that's the second. And then the third is a, a extremely exciting uh, project that we are um, covering based on a, another joint development agreement with the company InBrain and its subsidiary Inervia. So that's a Barcelona-based uh, tech company. Um, also, <clears throat> since uh, 2021, we have this agreement in place, a very similar setup as we have it uh, with our Norgoloop. So we exclusively uh, license the, um, the technology here for the vagus nerve. Uh, in brain, uh, the company is uh, focusing on the central nervous system, uh, whereas we are ex uh, uh, exploiting the technology here to the related to perfect nervous system. So I noticed there are some both similarities and, and dissimilarities to how um, things have happened in the field before, at least me coming from another big company in the past and to how the Merck model of innovation is working. So I just want to draw a parallel and then I just want you to comment on it, uh, Robert, if you don't mind. Um, at least in the, in the early days of GSK uh, Bioelectronics, before it became Gilvani and all of that, I think one of the approaches that we took was to say that there is a wide open space in the field beyond the brain and spinal cord, and we should look for new targets. Um, whereas the way you've actually gone about this at Merck is very much focused on the technology side of it, specifically by what I mean by that, at least from the two examples of both Neuroloop and Innervia, you're going for much more of selective fiber stimulation, knowing the early papers from Dennis uh, Platcher, who was a postdoc with Thomas Stieglitz at the time, who is a good friend of ours, as well as uh, kind of the Innervia, kind of looking for selective modulation of nerve fibers in the vagus. You're going for a more technology-based kind of approach for a specific disease indication. Um, so that is what my observation is from Merck sitting from outside. Is that is that something that has been the core part of the strategy, or is that something how it's played out? Yeah, so you know that that goes back to the the first uh, <clears throat> period of the entire uh, journey here it was innovation and, and and our approach. So initially, um, the Merck Innovation Center in, in Darmstadt was really focusing on big innovation fields, uh, mega trends, uh, very academically, we looked into it. Uh, whereas my team in particular focused on uh, very specific business cases, very specific solutions, very specific twists uh, in order to um, very quickly come to a concrete concept, a very concrete um, business idea and model um, instead of you know going too broad into the field. Yeah? So of course, you know, I identified Bioelectronics as an extremely attractive field with a lot of things going on. There's been lots of change in recent years. The digital aspect, as mentioned, but clearly, uh, what for me and then and for the team, the the main difference was that we had a very clear business case and business model in mind. Although that we learned exactly how to uh, how to uh, set that up when we were talking to a lot of companies out in the market. Also, yeah? we talked not only to the two partners here. We talked. A dozen companies and a lot of uh, academic uh, labs in order to figure what kind of uh, area could be particularly interesting for our company, for our setup, uh, also the healthcare colleagues here uh, within our company. 
in order now to to bring that into a into a a, um, a real business, a real startup, yeah, and 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 to avoid this mistake that we are going too broadly in there, no, not specific enough, not focused enough, and uh, um, the the main main reason is uh, that from the very beginning uh, it was necessary to. Um, get uh, senior management on board, and and here you have to be very clear and very, um, um, you know, to the point. What what is really your case? How do you earn money? Yeah, what is the exact uh, market here? How is the patient population looking in this case? Yeah, so I mean, they want clear answers. Yeah, it doesn't help them if you're too broad, too unspecific, and and that helped a lot. Yeah, so I I hope that answers the question how we approach it. It was not so much that we. We're simply looking at a, at a particular technology and said, okay, that's cool, and now let's make something with it. No, it's, it was rather uh, focusing in a clear business case. Yeah, that's, that's great, actually, because it's always interesting to see how various strategies at, at different places kind of come to play. Um, but just to follow up a bit more on those two partnerships, and I think we'll come to the digital side in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a minute here. Um, Let's just take as an example of, I think with Neuroloop, you're probably looking, at least based on the early patents and the papers, et cetera, they were looking at selective modulation of vagal fibers to look at blood pressure lowering or aspects of that from the cardiovascular side of things. And then with Innervia, at least what we believe, based on everything that we know, Carolina, she was on the podcast in the first season, et cetera. At the time, uh, it looks like probably you're probably looking at some of their novel materials with graphene, et cetera, for some of your your aspects of interfacing with the Vegas, as you mentioned there. But I'm assuming that with Vegas, you have the option of going into multiple things, but at least with Merck being a predominantly an immune oncology company in terms of its pharmaceutical portfolio, is there a specific reason to go Pick the Vegas as the potential target there. Um, yeah, obviously, um, with uh, our expertise uh, in chronic inflammatory disorders, we started with the exciting news that uh, market competition, yeah, um, at least I uh, uh, can mention it here at Setpoint Medical, yeah, very impressive work. Uh, also, the uh, academic um, uh, people related to it, uh, they're very, very excited uh, uh, to learn about it. That was the starting point, certainly. Yeah, so that that uh, brought uh, me in and focused me really particular on on, on vagus nerve uh, stimulation and um, interventions. Um, but then we learned, of course, so much about about this uh, technology, so that we expanded from there. So we, of course, took the took the opportunity and then looked deeper into all these different aspects uh, of these uh, peripheral nerves uh, nerve and. Uh, yeah, so there we are. Yeah, so clear focus on chronic inflammatory disorders, but we wouldn't exclude that we are also looking into other indications. No, that's good. And I think by you not overlooking some of the other ones, especially with Neuroloop, because there have been a lot of medtech companies or or specifically neuromodulation companies, including the now public CVRX, which was looking specifically at hypertension as a disease indication to target. And then they initially went into hypertension and then based on what happened with Ardian and Medtronic, they basically, the investors basically decided to flip uh, in, in a flat round to pivot to heart failure at the time, right? So how does, given that there are, how does Merck view 
cardiovascular indications, specifically hypertension, which I think it's almost kind of taken at least the word out on the street is that it's almost very difficult to get into hypertension as a therapeutic indication with the neuromodulation technology based on past experiences that people have had in the area. So I just want to know what the underlying thinking there as well. Yeah, I mean, I can't. <laughs> I cannot uh, comment much on the uh, specific indication and uh, uh, also the, the contract in, in detail. But <clears throat> what is tr what I really, I'm a true believer, and it's also true for, for senior management here, healthcare business is really opportunity-driven. Yeah? So although that, of course, you are outlining uh, certain strategies, but at the end, you know, if you, have, if you have a very strong and good opportunity, why not, yeah? Why not following it? Yeah, so I mean, it, it doesn't. At the end, uh, if you have the structures in place, if you have in general these capabilities, you can adjust quite quite a bit. Yeah, so we are not totally and extremely focused on on one or two indication, or we are not focused on this certain patient panel. Um, remember that we have anyhow to build up all the commercial and and um, sales uh, structures anyhow. Yeah, so then of course at that point. Uh, of course, you need to be very specific, and then you come into big trouble if you are not uh, uh, indication specific. But since we are earlier year, we are still in the preclinic. Uh, we still have time in order to build such structures. So I want to jump back to set point and and sort of the inflammatory response opportunities that you see with vagus nerve stimulation. Um, set point obviously is one of the earlier entrants and, and especially one of the earlier groups to move towards commercialization, they made a lot of technology advances and they had proof of concept. They had really great outcomes. Um, one of the things that we as a field recognize is that we're asking physicians to change the way they practice medicine. A rheumatologist is not generally ready to pull out his prescription pad and write a script for a device that's, that's, that takes a, a sh continuous shift in perspective and a shift in, in thinking about um, treatment in a very different way. Whereas if Merck comes at this um, with the vast pharmaceutical knowledge and network and sales team and deployment team that you already have, do you think that you have a competitive advantage to move towards a physician group that may otherwise be resistant well, that is something that we need to see in future. I mean, at the end, uh, everything comes down to the, the clinical um, um, output. Yeah? So what, what is really exactly the effect size? How safe is really the technology? Yeah? What is this mo new modality capable of doing? How is it really helping the patient? And, and then from that, I mean, if we are clear on, on the claims and the, and the features of the technology, from that you can design then all the other, you know, unfold all the other um, uh, questions and answer this very particular. I, I'm not so sure that that the pharmaceutical field force will help you. Yeah? But of course, what's clear uh, that we are in many communities out there and many patient and, and, and physician communities, of course, we have also all the know-how and the, and the long history and how we are talking appropriately to these groups. Uh, we have, of course, a lot of... Um, um, extremely uh, well-educated people in different aspects of medical affairs, regulatory, um, uh, field clinical specialists, etc. in order now to, to drive such a business. Again, it's more the, the basic uh, 
capabilities that we utilize here in this um, um, bioelectronics field instead of really driving already now very specific into a patient population right now in a particular customer group. Uh, so this is, this is still to come. I want to also pick up the third innovation stream that you are actually pursuing as well, which is the data and digital side of things as well, Robert, because that is as much part of the core strategy of Merck Bioelectronics, which is also very different from, at least from what you articulated earlier. It's also very different from what the other uh, pharma companies in the area are specifically looking at at this point of time who have ventured into this space, Um, which is when you say digital, uh, and when you talk about remote patient monitoring, are you specifically looking at ways in which that would enable the existing pharmaceutical development as in terms of additional biomarkers and and data that you can gather? Or are you looking at that as a standalone kind of uh, remote patient monitoring technologies that would that can straddle across multiple areas? Well, the starting point is uh, a vagus nerve stimulator, right? So that is uh, the technology that carries now also the remote patient monitoring. So with that, we are entering in the field of remote patient monitoring. My true belief is that this can also help our colleagues in, in uh, other healthcare areas to now use this technology for clinical trials in order to understand what comes also from the society yeah, with all these variables and also from um, peers and, and uh, uh, authorities in request to pharmaceutical company and ask um, what kind of standards we need to reach in future. Yeah? So the, the market is, is changing with this digital technology. So we need to get a, get an awareness and, and learn from these technologies as quickly as possible in order to adapt, in order to, to be also successful in future. That is also part of the bioelectronics program. As, as, you know, as much as I talk about a very clear case, a sharp uh, business model, this is more the, the visionary part of bioelectronics here that we not only want to introduce this particular case here or this and the sales of a, of a Vegas nerve stimulator, but in more an extended form to introduce this digital, uh, especially remote patient monitoring uh, technologies into the company and, and, and give colleagues an exposure to it. But we are also the other way around uh, that we are learning more. You, you mentioned biomarks that we learn more about um, uh, chronic diseases and uh, uh, patients, right? I mean, we, we so far only get a very short snapshot within clinical studies. We don't have much uh, experience in real world. With these kind of technologies, we get now individual real world data. Yeah? So that's a huge step forward. And of course, we don't know what it at the end for particular patients and indication how much value is in there. We need to just do it. Yeah? And that's also a little bit different than in the pharma world so far that the technology allows us a kind of uh, um, being live with each of these uh, patients and of course adapt the treatment yeah, and, and taking out getting learnings from each of these patients and now in order to help them. And it's not always like super hard facts in order to uh, drive down a flare up in, in a Crohn's patient, but, but it can be like even uh, in the direction of helping the patient to understand that, um, you know, not enough uh, exercise is uh, also counterproductive for the, for the um, disease, you know, things like that. 
So, but when you're thinking about that, are you looking of building that area up from wearables through to monitoring via implantables? Because when you mentioned both starting point is a vagus nerve stimulator, I mean, it's very difficult to implant anybody with a vagal nerve stimulator, right? So you'd want to start off with something else to to provide that information and then possibly integrate um, the monitoring aspects of it into patients with who are getting the Merck vagal nerve stimulator. Is that the way you're thinking or is it something different? Yeah, right now we have, we, right now we have not a direct project that is uh, um, aiming to, to develop a wearable yeah, or, or something similar. Yeah, so that uh, that's clear. But uh, to use, of course, wearables for our clinical teams in order to get biomarkers and better understanding of our patient group, that is, of course, an option that we well foresee Although that is not so much a business case as more and support for our structures and, and clinical teams to get uh, uh, good results for our patients. With all of the opportunities to collect data, I mean, there are so many data points that you can collect on a single person at any given point in time, um, especially with all our devices and wearables that, you know, our Apple Watch that we're wearing right now could tell you so many things. Um, and we could generate petabytes of data every day. Um, how do you how do you prioritize what you want to collect on patients versus what you think maybe is a little less relevant and and things that you don't need to collect? What we are doing is basically setting up uh, studies, so uh, observational studies, in order to really identify the critical um, biomarkers in order to predict certain patient situation, in order to understand how we can best uh, support individual patients. I mean, at the end, it's. Uh, here we are using as a proxy wearables in order to um, later integrate them into the final devices. But this is uh, the way of, of how we learn. And this is, again, this very controlled clinical setup. Yeah? So it's a limited number of uh, uh, patients, uh, very well-controlled conditions. But when you once are in the, in the, with the Vegas nerve stimulator, yeah? so then, of course, you reach the, the broader market, and more people. Yeah? Then, of course, you have a much different data um, uh, set. And then, of course, the situation changed dramatically. Then we are getting back a lot of data from real world and in order to uh, adjust then, of course, also our stimulation paradigm. So I want to get your take on potentially your like-minded competition. By that, what I mean is, is pharmaceutical companies who have gotten into the space of bioelectronics to potentially kind of challenge a bit of the status quo of what the existing players have have been doing for quite a long time right so within that space it's also interesting and it's my observation that um gsk galvani is looking at immune inflammation you mentioned setpoint astellas has made a big splash with their acquisition of iota biosciences and neural dust technology for for again what looks like at least publicly available information on immune inflammatory diseases, et cetera. And then you as other company, the other pharmaceutical company who has gotten into space along with GSK and Astellas are also focusing on immune inflammation part of it, as you outlined. How do you kind of look at competition and what is your impression of the competition um, from where you stand? Uh, in terms of leading the unit at Merck? Because I'm pretty sure you have those conversations both inter especially internally with your stakeholders, right? So, Absolutely. 
Yeah, bottom bottom line is still still although that there there's other companies, it, it is still a completely underdeveloped market, right? It's a it's a complete new technology. Yeah, so there's a lot of space and. At the end, what really matters for us also the the support for the patients, right? I mean, we can do really. We hope to get that we can really make a dramatic, uh, get a dramatic um, improvement for the patient. And if if that holds true, yeah, if we can um, fulfill this promise, we don't have not a big discussion around uh, market size, and you know, there there's enough opportunities for all these uh, companies. It also helps, though. I mean, I, I really appreciate the 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 excellent work of Setpoint Medical. They also prepare, yeah, in, in a way the market, they, they start the discussion. I mean, they, we can learn a lot from how they design their clinical studies, uh, what's their um, experience with, with the market, with the, with the FDA, et cetera. Yeah? So, I mean, it's, it, it would be, of course, very important also for us in a positive way. It's not only competition. And, um, well, once, once this is a technology that uh, has uh, been established that is not uh, only last resort or um, really as an as an uh, urgency or whatever uh, treatment yeah if, if it once really gets a, a head-to-head to pharmaceutical or in, in some cases a first-line treatment then of course we are will more discuss uh, about the competition and, and you know how to get in, in front and how do we introduce first and things like that but right now I I don't think that is too much of an issue honestly I think with a hundred billion neurons, there's enough room for a couple of cowboys to run this race. So, <laughs> nice thing. <laughs> so, I, I, um, I want to go because I work on the business side of things a little bit more. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put Arun and his science in the corner for just a second and, and ask you, you're, you're kind of in a sweet spot. You're a startup within an established international brand. You have a ton of resources available to you. You have infrastructure, you have funding, you have access. But along with that, you probably have a fair amount of bureaucracy and and like you said, convincing senior management of what the value proposition for entering this market is. And then you compare a pure a pure startup tech uh, tech company where they're maybe a little more nimble and they have flexibility and they're hungry. Maybe they don't have the funding and resources that you do. What do you envy about the startup environment? And what do you think they envy about your position? Oh, you will be surprised uh, how much we are a startup. Yeah? So um, this uh, team uh, started in an innovation center. Um, now we are part of the healthcare sector. But <clears throat> we keep the, uh, the spirit and we keep also the, the organization um, Together, so we we haven't split up uh, in different departments when we moved into the healthcare sector. So I still uh, oversee all the different um, uh, subject matter experts. There's even uh, commercial aspects within the the team. So we keep it so far kind of as a startup within our company. This is uh, relatively unique, uh, but it's also the the idea that. Um, our company and, and and we are learning from each other in, in having such an approach. Yeah? So, I mean, companies are changing, yeah. So the world is changing out there. So everything is in, is, is is undergoing dramatic change right now. Yeah. So and I think such an approach could be also an, an, an if it works out and a very positive example of how to approach things for bigger companies. How bigger companies can also adjust and change. Yeah. I mean, it's not an easy endeavor for them and then in order to adjust and, and change strategy often they simply acquire 
units and other companies in order to change. But here it's an, it's an uh, incremental way on, on, on changing. But again, yeah, so we are, so far we are driving the whole bioelectronics field here in, in our company as, as a little startup. Yeah. And thanks, uh, thanks to our senior management, they are supporting that a lot. I mean, it's get, get a lot of, um, um, uh, credits from them and a lot of support. And, and so far it works. Yeah. The future will tell whether we can, we can keep the speed and whether, whether we can keep the spirit. Yeah? Okay, so you open the door there. You've already talked about your your joint development agreements and outside of your JDAs. What and and do you see any potential for your group acquiring other startups? And and if so, what what would you be looking for? Yeah, that is not really my decision. Yeah, I mean let's let's bring now the <laughs> let's now bring these uh, bioelectronics program uh, to success yeah, in the next uh, years. I think we have a very good chance. We have excellent partners. Yeah? So it's uh, this uh, joint development agreements. Uh, I think our uh, put put both our our partners in us in an excellent uh, spot. I think we we have uh, selected very well these partners, and uh, I'm sure when we are successful now, when the first uh, indications in the next uh, two to three years, we discuss with senior management what we can do in order to. Uh, uh, get to get a more uh, significant footprint in this area or whatever solution is uh, is uh, uh, is uh, adequate uh, you see so I, I think with the current things of kind of going for novel materials uh, with Innervia, a more selective kind of targeting with Neuroloop and the digital those are the clear areas of of strategic importance to you as it happens today but in terms of kind of other areas that that you think would potentially supplement uh, these these type of work, or are there other kind of broad brush areas that you think would be of of strategic importance to you? Um, because a lot of our listenership is in the area, which includes scientists, engineers, executives across the space uh, in bioelectronic medicines, both across academia and industry. So I, I'm pretty sure they would actually want to kind of hear from you to see if there are specific areas that would be of importance to you so that they can possibly align themselves to you in some shape or form. Yeah, there's of course, there's of course uh, many aspects on different levels, but at the end, uh, I think the, so far the success story was based on focus. Yeah? So I, you know, we we had a really really clear again yeah, business case from the very beginning. We had a very clear focus on what we want to achieve here, and so that um, and that we 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 really built on these two partners. Yeah? So that we are quite confident that we have the the two best companies for this job on board already. With that, that having said, I mean I don't exclude that at some point. Yeah, so we need uh, other. Uh, support that we think about other alliances, but again, let's let's look at this two or three years um, uh, time horizon. In this uh, horizon, I don't see that we will make major change now. Yeah? I don't see that we um, need to acquire or need to partner, not in a bigger at least context with with other with other technology owners or um, other players in the field right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna leverage Arun's entry here. <laughs> um, with so many opportunities, and and especially being in an in a field in an early position, which 
as much as we like to think bioelectronic medicine and neurotechnology has been around for a long time, it has, but we're really at the beginning of what I think is a renaissance. Um, are there opportunities that have come across your field of vision where they're maybe not a strategic fit and would take you outside of that focus, but you really just, in your heart, you're like, oh, I really hate to let this one go. This one's so promising or this this has such potential. It just doesn't fit our particular strategy at this moment. Are there any heartbreaks there? I think it's always uh, rare that you find uh, this super attractive where you really are so that, that where you get totally excited and where you're really a big believer and then by heart driven a, a fan as I'm of uh, the two partners that we identified so far. Uh, we still, of course, talk to a lot of um, excellent uh, companies out there and, and also uh, academic groups. Um, but I think for, for, for now, we, we, we keep it in the setup. Yeah? And, and then, of course, we, we further explore the markets. We, of course, uh, keep on discussing with a lot of uh, people out there. Um, but again, yeah, so I think the to, to, to overpace uh, will not help. Yeah? And uh, I've seen other um, companies and other endeavors that were maybe falling because they tried too much. Yeah? So with, with the focus, especially as a, as a kind of startup, and then we consider uh, this uh, endeavor as a startup, uh, I think focus is one of the key words. Yeah? It takes discipline for sure. So from formal question, that pattern of questioning that Jojo actually had to something that, that, Final question from us here, Robert, is what what gets you extremely excited every day in the morning as you kind of look at this area and when you come into work uh, at Merck Bioelectronics? Well, what is uh, really astonishing in this area in general in bioelectronics, then I come to my mornings, <laughs> uh, is the, is these uh, cross-functional teams. Yeah, So it's extremely cross-functional uh, bioelectronics in general. I mean, where do you bring engineers, data scientists, uh, uh, biology, medicine together? It's, it's rare, right? I mean, this is this is really exciting. And now I come to the people yeah, that are doing these jobs. It's 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 an extremely um, beautiful team that I have there on board. Yeah, it's extremely good people and and extremely motivated. And that is of course uh, the reason that that also excites me in the morning. Yeah, so we have the right people on board. Yeah? We have the right spirit on board. And that is uh, extremely important because you can't do uh, good things without good people. Yeah? So it starts with people and it ends with people. So that's key for success. And I'm a true believer of strong teams. And that's what we built here in the last three years. And I'm also glad that one is somebody that, that I know and worked with very intimately is also kind of working with you guys at this point of time. I think you'd, you'd, we both know who that is at this point of time, Robert. So I'm, I'm grateful that it's, it's kind of impacting. It's a win-win on all fronts there as well. Um, I think that's pretty much all we had uh, in terms of questions to ask you. Um, do you have anything to ask us? No, but just a comment. So I'm, we are happy to disclose more yeah, once uh, it's time. But right now, I think the, since, since we have such a strong... Um, Focus, uh, it makes a lot of sense for us to stay a little bit under the radar. Yeah, So let's uh, let's get the work done. And, and, and once uh, we achieved uh, certain milestones, we, we certainly you will certainly hear from us. No, it absolutely is the right mindset to be in. And, and, and I think I, I would not even dare to push you 
uh, in any shape or form on that front. I, I might. <laughs> no, but 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 I think on that front, I think you are always welcome to share the information uh, through us. Please use us as a modality for getting the information out. We would be very happy to kind of when it's time uh, for you to share with a big wider world what the updates are. We would be happy to kind of give you the platform to do so. So it's an open invitation. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today.